Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John O'White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Jonathan Goldhill, and Jonathan is the president of the Goldhill Group and also, might I say, has the best name in the world because for those who don't know, I am uh, Jono in Australia. And what do we do as Australians? We shorten everything and add an O. So my birth name is actually Jonathan um, as well. So cracker of a name, wonderful guy. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Thanks a lot, Jono. Appreciate uh, having the opportunity to speak to your listeners about subjects that you and I have a deep interest in. Yeah, it's already been fun chatting before we pressed record. I think we share a lot of the same uh, sort of passion for leadership and leadership development. So tell our listeners about what you do, Jonathan. Yeah, so I, I am a leadership coach, an executive coach. I really fashion myself more as a business coach, trusted advisor. I work mostly with small entrepreneurial and family businesses that are growing. Typically, they have employees anywhere from 10 to 50 when they bring me on, or maybe 10 to 200. And they're looking to two to 10 X their business. And they come to me because maybe growth has stalled um, or growth is maybe out of control going too fast. And they don't really have like a playbook to manage the business. Um, so I help them to run better meetings, um, put a meeting rhythm in place, uh, run a, a quarterly, like run an annual, a quarterly, a monthly, a weekly, and even a daily huddle uh, where they're going over their metrics, their priorities, um, they're looking at their business plan, their marketing strategy, and they're getting aligned on the same page. So uh, I help them choose to make sure they have the right people on their team. John, as you probably know, and probably would agree with me, it's like, you can't really get very far if you don't have the right people on your team. So I spent a lot of time, usually in the first year with a client, and maybe for several years, getting them to get the right people on their team and throwing the wrong people you know, off the bus, as Jim Collins would say. So uh, yeah, that's, that's primarily what I do. Also touch upon strategy and financial and cash and time mm. management and all that good stuff. No, I love, I love uh, what you mentioned there about getting the right people on the team, uh, the right people uh, or the wrong people off the team having, and then what you said about meetings. I also love that because it's one of the, probably the top five easiest changes I see that most leaders, and to be honest, not, you know, not just in, in uh, small business entrepreneurs, but even in larger businesses who they're often having the meetings, but how they do the meetings and how they facilitate them can be the easiest lever, one of the easiest levers to pull to drive change. There's no question about it. And, you know, it's even in nonprofit organizations, because when I started my career, which was many years ago, literally 42 years ago, I guess. Um, I started, I worked for a, a property management company and I wrote a manual on how to run meetings 
because the property management company ran some public housing in the United States that had a, a tenant's board and I was organizing tenants before that. And so teaching them how to run effective meetings was where I got my career start. So it's kind of funny to be full circle here today. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the funny thing about meetings is we all, we've all experienced terrible meetings and it's like, it's like a musician, you know, trying to tune a, a guitar or piano and, um, and uh, or, or feeling like they're playing and things are out of tune. And to me, a meeting is like, is a tool you can use like a like a tuner that you can plug your guitar into and 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 find out you know it's a tool you can use to completely change the sound um of of the performance of what you're doing and to lift it and make it better but so many of us have experienced leaders who don't know what they're doing with a tuner before that it's just gotten in the way and we've sort of thrown it out and gone oh this this is not worth it and we keep playing these chords that are all dissonant and for me it's like we need to rediscover the um, you know, the, the power of the meeting and how it can really fine tune our team. Um, even just today, jo um, Jonathan, I was chatting with someone about how much doing an offsite, like I'm always having to encourage teams to invest and it is a big investment sure. to invest the time and money to take your team on an offsite. But one thing we discussed was nothing comes out in the wash more than during an offsite. Like if you've got someone and you want to see, you know what, they might make it in a year, but they might not go on an offsite and push the team, be vulnerable, have robust discussions and conflict. And I was talking with this person today about how one person came to this offsite and they were sort of up and comer. And they even said to them, look, you're going to be, we're pretty like controversial and we really push each other, but you can't quit afterwards. So they jump into the, this offsite, they do it. But then the end of the day, they're just white pale faced as they went out to dinner and sure enough, they ended up quitting. They just couldn't, there was, and so for them and for the team, I think that's, yeah, that's sad for that person because I, I think for them, it would have been great if they could have made it, but for the team and the organization, how good is it that at least they found out straight away that that wasn't, this person wasn't ready yet to actually be able to sit on a team like that, that, that was healthy. They might not have found out otherwise for a year and what a waste that would have been that whole year going by um, and so they found that out fast. Boy, I think the way that you present the idea and the benefit of offsites is just brilliant and very true. And, you know, if you want to find out exactly like you said, who's not going to work, like get people into a room for two or three days and mm -hmm. find out like who's open, who's honest, who's not, find out who engages, like is everyone engaging? Is everyone being heard? Or is some is one person dominating the room? And I, Jono, how often do you find that you go out, you go off offsite with a team and the leader, the CEO, president, what have you, dominates the meeting? Um, <laughs> it, you know, it takes a few times of that happening before they start recognizing themselves like, I can't do this. I need to shut up and take a back seat and see what my team is capable of doing. But a lot of them that I work with will say, you know, my team is incapable of doing this without me. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does sound familiar. And the, the funny thing is that when a leader steps into that gap, 
they actually everyone loses because the leader also loses because ultimately as a leader really what you want is you want to look around at a team after two days and you want to look around at a team after six months or a year of of working together and you want to go wow this this team is 10xing what i could do on my own there's five of us and you know maybe we're 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 doing a hundred times what i could have done on my own and you'll never get there Uh, but it's simple um I think one so, of the simplest so things yeah. leaders can do is just to be quiet and and speak last and ask questions. You know, if if every leader counted to 15 before they spoke at, at an offsite and committed <laughs> to listen carefully, you could you'd be amazed even in 2 days, you would be you would be amazed there'd be 80 times in those 2 days where you'd be counting, someone would come in. Like 90% of the time someone will jump in and keep talking. And it's actually in those discussions where your people flesh things out, where someone disagrees, but then they realize after a discussion for 15 minutes, actually they were seeing it um, incorrectly or vice versa. That's where all the alignment happens. So I, I, I agree, Jonathan, it's actually sort of getting out of the way at an offsite for the leader. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, one of the things that we do at the end of every meeting, whether it's an offsite or a weekly or a monthly meeting, quarterly, is we evaluate the meeting at the end. And, you know, I I help them rate the meeting. I mean, it's really easy to rate it on a scale of one to 10, but like, why did you come up with that number? What was missing? You know, what would have to change for it to be a 10 next time? And I think these are good conversations. It's very process driven. A lot of leaders don't want to be that process driven. They want to get right down to you know, like, let's just get this done. Let's just get to the result. They don't, you know, so they're, if they're impatient with the process and their focus is on the result, then yeah, they're going to have a tendency to dominate the meeting because they think they mm. probably have the best answers. Frustrating. Well, you are too good at facilitating and uh, coaching because you've got me here talking about things I'm passionate about, which is what Mm -hmm. you're so good at. But the purpose today is really to chat about you. So um, I would love to hear some of your story, even as far back as childhood, Jonathan, what are some of the moments that really shaped you to become the leader and the person you are today? Well, I think of the, uh, the male figures in my life growing up. And unfortunately, I don't think of my father stepfather or second stepfather because they weren't in my life very long way. My father died when I was two. Um, and I suppose actually that shaped my life in a very deep way uh, because he died of a second heart attack. It was a massive coronary when I, and had the first one when I was, you know, born, you, know, you wouldn't know, but he was in the hospital recovering from his first heart attack. And, and so that really shaped me into the person I am today because I always thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to drive myself to, to, you know, strip all the joy out of, out of life. I'm going to enjoy life and, and live it to its fullest. And I think that was the lesson I learned from my father was, one, was always focus on your health. And, and two, yeah. you know, live life to the fullest. And if you're squeezing the joy out of life, you might just, you know, make a, get yourself a heart attack. Um, and then, so two other father figures, so stepfathers, I'm going to pass over. I, I mean, they were somewhat influential, but um, my brother was an older brother and he sort of took the role maybe of the leader or, or oldest male in the family as the father. And I learned 
that that's where I got my like chief operating officer, sort of COO whisper, like business coach advisor to, to CEOs is I would sit outside my older brother's door and wait for him to ask me, you know, if he wasn't feeling well, if he needed something. Uh, I was just incredible taskmaster. And so while that didn't so much teach me as a leader, it taught me what a great second in command um, can do and will do. Um, and then my grandfather was the ultimate self-made man. He and his brothers and their father uh, built an enormously successful clothing business. And uh, his joie de vivre, his you know, zest for life, really taught me that you can have it all. You can be successful in business and life and society. You can make enough money that you'd give it away and, and <laughs> live life really large. And he was a short man who lived uh, really tall. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for, um, I always like to remind leaders who are listening as well that to stop and think of the people around your, around your life that you've just shared, Jonathan, that really left that legacy for you. And um, there's a couple of things in there. I, I really appreciate the lessons you learned um, around health from your, from your dad. And for me, I'm, my wife, Liz and I were expecting our first child in, in about four weeks. So it's getting real. And uh, what a wonderful reminder for all the leaders out there who are head down and, you know, head down, bum up, trying to just smash out the next strategy to, to um, remember who are the people that you really want to leave that legacy uh, for and how can you impact them? But um, I love the story you told about what you learned from your grandfather. I want to zoom in on that. Sure. Any, any stories that come to mind from your granddad that really, you know, you remember hearing secondhand or experiencing that just remind you of the sort of man he was? Yeah. I, you know, I can't say that he was a teacher of stories. Um, first of all, he died many years ago. It was probably 1993. So that's a long time ago. It's 25 plus years ago. And the last 10 years of his life, he had what we thought was Alzheimer's, but had a series of strokes. So he wasn't so much of a teacher of stories and life um, as he was. A, he got up every morning at, at 4.30, I'm told, and went upstairs to his, uh, to his room where he painted, and he painted for an hour before going to work. Um, so, you know, I think one of the really important things that we need to educate or impress upon our co uh, coaching clients who are leaders is the importance of balance in life. I mean, whether it's health and fitness or exercise or you know, a, a passion for a hobby, whether it's the arts or music or whatever. Like, don't forget that until late, I'm going to quote BC Forbes here. Don't forget until too late that the business of life is not business, but living. And, you know, too many people will build a, an enormous business plan with huge goals and crowd out any goals that they have in their life. And so yeah. I, I, I learned from my grandfather by observing and, uh, and he <laughs> lived life in a really full way. And so did my mother who was his uh, child. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I love what you said about living life and, 
um, yeah, just, just making sure that we're not so focused on the business plan that we miss, uh, you know, the life that is underneath, underneath it. What, what have you found? What advice would you give? And what have you found from experience has been most helpful for you to really structure your business and your work in a way that's life-giving? Um, well, I can answer that for myself personally. Um, I'm what I would call a lifestyle entrepreneur. And I put my life vision or goals in front of my, my business vision and goals. And so what that looks like for me today is that um, in the last nine months, almost 12, um, I've been to Europe. I've been to Mexico twice. I spent uh, four months in the Southampton, New York. I uh, have gone back and forth between two homes here in Los Angeles, uh, one my home and one my girlfriend's home. I've been able to build a life that allowed me to do my coaching anywhere that I, that I live. And so if you're a lifestyle entrepreneur and uh, you're doing your business to support your life, then, you know, dare to dream big about what you want your life to look like. I was very clear that a year or two ago, I could do my business anywhere and that I wanted to travel. And so, I mean, for me, that's where I'm situated today. Now, yeah. John, you know, to give a tip to people who are trying to um, balance their work and their life and, you know, I think it's just really important. I go back to that quote from uh, BC Forbes that, you know, set your personal goals and your vision ahead of your business goals. Um, and, you know, maybe it looks like you're going to nose to the grindstone for a certain period of time, but you're, you're not going to burn out and you're doing it with some greater purpose of like, look, I'm going to make, I'm going to make millions and then I'm going to take some time off. I mean, yeah, just, you know, be clear about what you're doing because, you know, where your, uh, uh, you know, where your energy, you know, goes is where, you know, where you're going to find yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, uh, something that I came across about 12 months ago, um, which has really informed how I think about this area is, Patrick Lencioni and, and the table groups working genius assessment. Sure. And uh, without going into it in too much detail, I've talked about it uh, at other times on the podcast, but the big thing they say is that all of us have type some, some types of work that are in our genius that all mm -hmm. of us have a genius where we're really in our zone in the flow is, is another way it's often being called, I think. Um, yeah. And then there's working competency and then there's yep. working frustration. And um what I love about working genius is they talk about this coffee cup analogy saying when you're, when you're in your working genius, it's like someone pours a cup of coffee, hot coffee into a, into a keep cup and then puts the lid on and it starts hot and it stays hot. And when you're doing that, um, there's a real ease to it. It fills you with energy. You can, you can do that day in day out and it stays hot, so to speak. Competency is where you take the lid off. So it starts hot, but when I'm doing that type of work, it's actually eventually it starts to get really tiresome. It gets cold, it gets gross. And then work, <laughs> what I love is they say, you know, working frustration, 
when I'm in my working frustration or I'm doing tasks that are really in that zone for me, it's not like someone cools the coffee down. It's like someone drills a hole in the bottom of my cup and it just pours out. And what, what Patrick Lencioni and team have said, which really resonates with me is what if burnout in work and life is less about quantity of work? Cause we're always saying how to work less, you know, be careful, make sure you're, <laughs> you know, make sure you're, you're not working 12 hour days. And what if it's yeah. actually more about quality? What if, the person who's working 30, what if the person who's working 40 hours a week, but 30 hours of that is a drilled hole in the bottom of their coffee keep cup. And it's actually pouring the life out of them compared to the person who works 70 hours a a week, you know, one particular week, maybe not every week, but 70 hours this week, but they're doing something that's lit on in the zone hot for 60 hours of that. I would say the person who's doing 30 hours of the, drilled hole in the bottom working frustration is going to be more likely to burn out. And that for me has been like a big light bulb moment on what is it that I do and that others do that really puts the lid on and keeps the coffee hot. And how can I do more of that? Well, I I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny that you would bring up this uh, working genius model because I was uh, sharing it with a client just this morning, having not oh, really? looked at it since he came out with it. So go figure uh, <laughs> the synchronicity of that. Um, I usually use the sort of the four quadrant analysis. And uh, uh, it's where, you know, what is your zone of genius? And to me, this is the upper left quadrant um, on, a, on a two by two, you know, two, like four, four boxes in yeah. a square. And the upper left quadrant is, you know, what would you do if, you know, if, and do all day long, that's effortless and that's that you love. And then, um, and then what is the zone of excellence? That's the upper right quadrant. And that quadrant is stuff that you do really well. Um, you're really good at it and you like it, but it's not love and great. It's like and good. Mm. And then, then the lower left quadrant is zone of competence. And that's kind of, I think, like the, uh, the second part of uh, Lencioni's piece. That's stuff that you don't like, but you're good at. And that's the <laughs> stuff that you'll, you will burn out if you spend too much time in. Um, and then, of yes. course, the, the, the lower right is like the zone of incompetence. You don't like it. You're not good at it. And you find <laughs> yourself doing some of that stuff, you know, because and sometimes leaders will do it because they feel like the people beneath them are even more incompetent, you know, or they don't trust them. And I, I see this a lot with leaders who don't trust the financials that they're getting from their uh, accounting staff, outside accounting personnel. I mean, and so they find themselves digging into this stuff um, and, and it's the, it's the numbers and it matters. And so these, those four zones, I think are like, that's a brilliant exercise for people to take stock of because like a, a quote I heard from a basketball coach, it was a, he was the coach of Temple University's basketball team. And it came from my, my roommate and, he's, and his father would say, he was, his father was the coach who said, you know, if you do what you love, you'll do it often. If you do it often, you'll do it well. And if you do it well, you'll be well rewarded. And it, <laughs> It made so much sense, you know, it was so practical. So, you know, stay in your, get into your genius zones, be in your excellent zones, 
get out of the zones of competence and incompetence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's great. So for you in more recent years, are there any moments that really stand out in, uh, in the more recent years that were pivotal and really shaped you, Jonathan? Well, it depends on what you, how you define as recent. Um, I, I went out on my own 20 plus years ago. I'm 64. So that was 22 years ago. And over time, I've gradually learned that to be a successful leader as a business coach, that you had to model the way you had to sort of walk the walk, talk the talk. Um, you had to teach stuff that you practice on your own and that you did. Um, to be a, a great leader today, you need to have incredible empathy. Um, that seems to be the word authenticity, maybe it was yesterday's word, empathy is today's word. Um, and as a coach, to be a really good coach, I think you have to be uh, highly empathetic as well, um, because otherwise people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So yeah, I think that, you know, it's been a cumulative period of learning how to be engaged with clients and, and, and and increase my level of, of empathy and my emotional intelligence as a result. Yeah, they're two. If you can increase empathy and emotional intelligence, I feel like, uh, you know, even just this week, I was chatting with a leader who was saying really vulnerably in a, in a team setting that um, emotional intelligence is one of the, one of her growth areas. And um, she said in passing, but, you know, I've sort of given up on, on growing it. I just have all these different strategies. And I said, I want to challenge you on that because those strategies are part of the way that you're growing in this. And you can grow in emotional intelligence. There's great thought leadership out there about it. Um, and it was, and I think people need to realize that if you struggle with empathy and emotional intelligence, that it's a hundred percent something you can grow in and should grow in. And if you're going to invest in anything, I can't think of many traits that are more powerful than learning to be more emotionally intelligent and to have more empathy and, and how to do that. I, John, I think the only other thing that might compete with it is you're working on your mindset. Um, Cause that's like a mental, not so much of an emotional thing, but like, do you have a, and I'll take steal a page from Carol Dweck's book, the growth mindset. Do you yeah. have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Um, I, I had a experience about six years ago where I was in a business partnership um, for a little while with someone who I really didn't get along well with. Mm. And he pointed out to me that I had what he thought was a fixed mindset. And that really shocked me because I always thought of myself as someone who had a growth mindset. And so yeah. it really challenged me to think real and look real hard at myself. And I think that any of us who think that we have a growth mindset can probably find some place in ourselves where we have a fixed mindset around certain things. And I'm sure even the great, the great life coaches, the Tony Robbins of the world, um, find that in, in some parts of themselves that they might be fixed around the way they do or think about certain things. And so I think it's a great challenge for us uh, as leaders, as coaches, to learn how to be more abundant 
in our thinking and uh, in our personal growth and professional growth. Yeah, that's great. I love that, Jonathan. I agree. So let's jump into Leadership Express. I'm really looking forward to your answers to some of these questions. Okay. Question. Lightning round. Yeah, the lightning round. That's right. Makes me nervous always, doesn't it, folks? Uh, lightning <laughs> rounds make you here. Here, see, just I'm I'm stalling you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Giving yourself time to think. You don't even know what the question is yet. No. Right. Um, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? I've gifted a book from the first coaching organization I was part of. I don't know that you could get it on Amazon. It's called Becoming a Strategic Business Owner, and it's it's uh, uh, written by Daniel Murphy. And it's about developing a, uh, a business owner's mindset. It's really written for the small business owner, like the technician business owner, the e-myth business owner. Yeah, brilliant. Any great podcasts you're listening to right now or books you're reading or blogs, you like anything you're really loving right now? Well, I, I, you know, I honestly don't listen to podcasts very much. Um, I mostly listen to my own podcast, so I'll shamelessly <laughs> plug it here. Yeah, uh, go for it. Disruptive Successor, A Guide to Driving Growth in Your Family Business is, uh, is my podcast. And Jono, I invite leaders on that podcast that I'm learning from and having great conversations from, just like you probably are with yours. And so mm. that's the thing I'm, you know, it's like, I remember when the Allman Brothers, the Southern rock band here in the United States said, oh, we don't really listen to any other bands. Well, we heard about the Grateful Dead. We heard they're pretty good, <laughs> but we don't listen to other people's music. We only listen to ours. Yeah. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. It was shocking to me. Yeah. It's true about a podcast. I'd say the number one thing I'm learning from is, chatting with people like you on the podcast because it's yeah. if anyone wants to just immerse yourself in uh in in learning start a podcast and bring on some great guests ask them questions and i promise you it's it's definitely the thing i'm finding most rewarding right now in terms of how i'm learning yeah totally what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of well you know um before I, I'm going to answer that, but, you know, I wrote a book for family businesses and I've mostly focused on only healthy, highly functional families. So mm -hmm. a leadership lesson that I learned was while watching HBO's show Succession, mm -hmm. which was, it, which is a, a teaching of in itself that, you know, collaboration is, is crucial to success yeah. and fear and trust are horrible motivators. Uh, fear and distrust, sorry, are horrible motivators. Mm. So, you know, uh, we've watched you for those who've watched the show, uh, the central figure is like a Rupert Murdoch type character, yeah, who um, I'm sure Australians know all too well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's not such a nice guy. And so, um, the lesson there is that you have to get away from fear and embrace love and move into trust. Um, Lencioni's first phase or stage of the uh, five dysfunctions of a team is healthy, healthy teams are based on trust. Yeah, that's so good. And it's funny because often we think, you know, it's a choice between the two success or, or really investing in trust. And, and it's actually like, no, I think people are realizing more and more that when you can trust well and deeply as a leader, 
it leads to long-term significant success. Hugely so, especially in family businesses where there's so much loyalty there. And sometimes that loyalty is misplaced because they don't, they trust someone too, too easily. So that's a whole topic for a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's so good. Um, any favorite questions that are Jonathan Goldhill questions you like to ask in, in different settings with one-on-ones or with the team? Lately, it seems to be this, you know, are you working in your, in your um, zone of genius and your mm. zone of excellence? Um, are, you, uh, are you working on the vital few things that you're supposed to be working on? Or, you know, what is your, you know, what's your job description, if you will, look like? Uh, are you doing a lot of trivial many things? And I find that's a silver bullet in my arsenal of coaching. Yeah. It's, it's called, I call it the vital few and trivial many, you know, practicing the vital few. Yeah. I, I, I love that as well. And one of my favorite phrases uh, that I've come across recently, it's, it's not new. I think it initially came from uh, or was used in by some designers. I can't remember the name of the key designer who, who used it, but it, I read it in a book by Greg McEwen called essentialism. And he talks about this, this idea of less, but better. And, yes. uh, and I, I love that idea. I think it's a great idea for leaders, for strategy to consistently refine and get rid of things, have a stop doing list, not a, not a to do list, you know, get rid of things and really do less, but better. Um, yeah. And hey, yeah. Yeah. You know, a great book on this subject. If you really want some one who's done some research on this um, great at work by Morton Hansen, mm. he was a, a, a co-author with Jim Collins and he really shows how top performers do less, work better, and achieve more, which is the um, subheadline for from his book. And he does it based on showing research. Which yeah. so for you, for you people who require, you know, that it's proven and not just talk, uh, coach speak. Um, read his book. You'll you'll become a, a true believer. Yeah, that's great. What is a commonly held belief in? family businesses that you passionately disagree with? A commonly held belief in family businesses that I passionately um, don't believe. So I have worked with many a business owner who don't think that their children can run the business. Mm. And I think that they've created this situation where their child cannot run the business, meaning like take over their, their business. Yeah. And they've fought, fal- they falsely created their own sense of self-importance because mm. um, of an arrogance that they think that their way of doing things is the right way of doing things. And, and they've not been a, a, a teacher, a mentor to their children. Now I'm not saying that's true of the majority of people, it, again, it goes back to HBO's succession where his father, the father, Logan Roy, has failed to do that with most of his children except one yeah. whom he seems to distrust. And I've seen that and I, I, I get really, I spend a lot of time with the founder or the figurehead talking about, you know, what does your son or daughter need to do? Um, to demonstrate that 
they can take over the family business. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great thought. Thank you for sharing that. Last question. If you could only give one piece of advice to a young leader, what would you say? I would say um, go out and look for mentors. Um, mentors who are leaders that you respect, admire. Um, they could be in any business or non-business profession. They could be sports figures. They could be um, teach school teachers. Uh, they could be, you know, church leaders. And go and and model their mindset. Mm. Try and think the way they think or feel the way they feel. And then, you know, ask. And you can ask yourself, you know, what would my mentor do in this situation? Tremendous learning can come from that. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. How for those who are listening and have really appreciated what you've shared today and want to find your, your book or your podcast, where can people find you online, Jonathan? So I hang out and, and my team hangs out mostly on LinkedIn. So Jonathan Goldhill um, or, or my book, Disruptive Successor, it, it has a website. So does the Goldhill Group have a website. I mean, you can contact me through any of those um, channels, media channels. Fantastic. Well, uh, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Today's episode has been great chatting about genius. And I always love where these conversations go. And I think there'll be a lot of people uh, driving, running, whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast, thinking to yourself, am I in my genius? Am I in my zone of excellence? And uh, if you know, how much time am I spending in or out of that zone? What a wonderful question uh, that Jonathan really got us to think about today. Uh, reminder for our listeners, you can also find my podcast, the Jono White Leadership Podcast, where I give you tips on how to cast vision and how to build a high performance team. And we also have the Leadership Question of the Day podcast, where I ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe and help you grow because we need to be uncomfortable to grow as leaders. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Jonathan Goldhill for coming on for being so vulnerable in sharing your story that was really special and for making us think which i know you do for a living but you really did ask some great questions um and i i really appreciate that and your generosity of your time thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me appreciate it Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. 
I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, Jono White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you 
to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.